I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Matt Bell is here for everything Wisconsin Athletics, and on today's show, we're, of course, going to talk about that uh, gross, ugly, putrid performance that is uh, Wisconsin playing at Northwestern. It was your typical Wisconsin-Northwestern football game. You know, Badger fans always going into it are nervous for what is going to come when they go to Ryan Field, and we saw that once again in full effect uh, this time out. So we'll talk about the game, break it down, and purge it from our system, and then move on from it because uh, it's not really one that is going to be fun to talk about, but as a Wisconsin podcast, you have to talk about the Wisconsin football games no matter how ugly they are. Uh, after the football talk, we'll do some brief basketball talk. Basketball tips off on Wednesday night with the Badgers taking on Eastern Illinois, I believe in a late tip, 9 p.m. So uh, we'll talk about that, break down the schedule that was just released a little bit, and then uh, we'll have you guys uh, ready to move on to Minnesota. Uh, Axe week coming up here. Uh, should be a fun one uh, this Thanksgiving week, and uh, we'll see what the Badgers can take from the rest of the football season. So, Matt, how are you on this fine Sunday morning? I'm doing great. Um, you know, that was obviously uh, a game that would be nice to just flush from the memory bank, but uh, it was kind of had, once the game started, it had a very ominous feel um, from the get-go, and it didn't get any better from there. So uh, I'm I'm doing the best I can after that. Uh, little eyewash station was needed, but how are you doing? Yeah, I'm a lot better this morning. I, I think we were talking about doing an instant reaction pod, and I texted you, and you said, you know, you were a couple beers deep. I was a couple old fashions deep, where it was probably not a good idea for us to hop on a microphone after watching that game because it was it was an emotional game. I mean, like you said, from the start, the just the way, that first quarter of the, the the bad calls, which at the end of the day, they were bad calls, but I, I don't think it would have really mattered that much the way the offense looked the rest of the game, but that's kind of in hindsight. But just the back and forth, the, the pace and, and action from that first quarter was uh, enough to really tire you out, and then there was three quarters after that. That third quarter would put you right to sleep, but for the most part, that game started out you know pretty intense and, and back and forth, but... I'm good. I'm, I'm glad that we can, you know, hop on and, and, and knock this out Sunday morning because uh, it was it was an ugly game. It'll be nice to, to start the week fresh uh, without having to discuss this Monday afternoon. We can get it done with, and Badger fans can move on because it is a big week in, in Minnesota coming up. But unfortunately, there's going to be some bad taste in a lot of people's mouths after that last performance. Oh, no doubt. Um, you know, you looked at kind of how things were looking coming into the game. Uh, no expectation that 
Henningsen wouldn't be out there, that um, Isaiah Green May wouldn't be out there. Both of them now gone for the year going into the game, kind of that was uh, a little bit of a shock. But then also not having the, the Badgers' top two wide receivers in Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor loomed pretty large for that game. But in watching it, the big storyline was by far the turnovers. You know, they had five of them. What did you make of that? Yeah, that part was – I mean, I, I I like the stat that they flashed. That was the most turnovers they've had since the last trip to Northwestern. Or, I, no, I should say the 2015 trip to Northwestern. And really, the, it was a typical game for the Wildcats where Pat Fitzgerald goes in, mucks it up. I mean, he, he has a good defense. They they play really sound, I, I, you know, assignment football. They did that great. But a lot of it was Wisconsin just not executing very well on their end of the ball. You have to give credit to Northwestern's defense. Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher were two guys that played really well. Their defense as a whole, their defensive line was a lot more impressive than than I expected. I thought Wisconsin's offensive line would be able to really lean on those guys and, and go after them. They were playing well. So the turnovers were a lot of just guys, you know, shooting themselves in the foot, not in sync. But that happens when you've got, you know, Danny Davis out, Kendrick Pryor out, Jake Ferguson playing on on one arm I mean what that was hard to watch him getting thrown back out there I know he wanted to go and he's a competitor but man he looked like he was writhing in pain uh for most of that second half with with whatever's going on with his arm so when you're trying to throw to you know Chimray DK was great I think he was maybe one of the positives we'll talk about later but aside from that you know Adam Crumholz is a guy that was maybe looked at as a third receiver Jack Dunn a, a third or fourth receiver when those guys are coming out and they're essentially your two of your starters in a way for that game, it was going to be hard to move the ball, and it didn't help the fumbles and and the interceptions along with that. But a lot of that it just seemed like the offense was just not in sync. And and when you're going against good defense, you've got a young quarterback. That's kind of what happens, and 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 that's really all I could take away from it. What did you make of it? Yeah, I think uh, after Graham Murphs got got hit with that strip sack, uh, you could see that it completely shifted the game for him. It seemed like he he just was a little bit a little bit rattled, uh, was a little quick to to throw the ball, kind of forced some throws into some tight windows, which we knew he was going to have to do when you can't create the, nearly the separation that you were expecting. You know, Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, they're not elite level wide receivers, but at the same time, they are good, solid Big Ten wide receivers that are able to get you open and, and give you that separation to help out a guy like Graham Mertz on a, on a crummy field and in a game that there's wind, it's, it's kind of overcast. Uh, you saw what happens to a young quarterback who is struggling with finding a rhythm. He was missing some easy throws um, when they were there. And then came the turnovers where he was trying to do too much. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about play calling. I think that set him up for some of those throws and some of the spots he was in. But but overall, you can't have the fumbles. That was on. Uh, that fumble is on Mertz. He's got to get rid of the ball. Um, the play calling, like I said, put him in that situation, however. And um, and then you look at Garrett Groshek. You're a fifth-year guy. You can't fumble in your own territory. Badgers got out of it, but those those were the big things. Were the fumbles, the interceptions you're going to have to live with from time to time when you've got backup wide receivers running around. But the the fumbles were killer because both of those were in key situations and put the Badgers in tough spots. Yeah, they're just you can you can sometimes live with a couple mistakes. I mean, one or two turnovers. Yeah, like you said, an interception here and there is going to happen. 
when you're running around with that personnel that they had, that was bound to happen. A young quarterback going against, you know, interceptions you, you don't like, but you're playing a young quarterback, you're playing a good defense. Sometimes that is going to happen. There's going to be growing pains. I know Graham Mertz came out and lit the world on fire in his first in the opener against Illinois, but there's he, he's still a redshirt freshman quarterback. That's going to happen from time to time. But like you said, the the fumbles were were kind of more inexcusable. Where you, you're driving and your you know your fifth year senior puts it on the turf. You're you're the other one. You're, you're starting to move the ball a little bit, and then you know a strip sack comes. That really rattled some confidence. It seemed like from the offense as a whole. So those ones you've got to just clean up. But at the end of the day, you can't have five in total. And to be even in that game with the way that they were playing and then having five in total was, I think, a testament to the defense, which we'll talk about a little later. But it's just it's something about those trips to, to Northwestern. I mean, this was a lot similar to the last trip there and the trip before. I mean, it seems like every time they go there, it's low scoring, ugly, turnovers, mistakes, the whole nine yards. So what is it about Ryan Field in your eyes? Because I know we joke about it, but it really is starting to be a trend where – the Badgers do not play well there. No matter what, you could have Wisconsin's lineup of like the best players at each position over the last ten years, and I think Wisconsin would still struggle if they played at Ryan Field. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Jazz TV game, like you alluded to, was at Camp Randall, but it just seemed like the ghost of freaking Jazz TV was all over that field <laughs> uh, against the Badgers. My God, like the calls and everything was going against them from the start. Um, but, yeah, I think the playing surface, you're looking at it, it's a really slow field because it's fully grass. You're looking at um, you're looking at there's no crowd there. There's a hard reason. There's not a lot to get up for on that field. And then the way that Northwestern plays, they, they play really good. They try to stop you from running the ball well, and they make you beat – make the offense beat you through – through the air, and the Badgers weren't able to do it. So I think it's, it's a combination of the playing surface – the the lack of fans and energy there, but then beyond that, it's also the fact that um, they play really good defense and don't beat themselves. They had one turnover for five for five yards, which is you know funny when you look at the Badgers stats, but you add that to they really didn't have any turnovers that much. That's that's killer. Yeah, I mean, you got to, you know, I know Wisconsin at the end of the day played pretty poorly, but you have to give some credit to Northwestern uh, as well. You know, they they know themselves. They know the game they want to play. Really, their first five games have kind of played uh, a similar game on both sides of the football. You know, a couple games, that Maryland game is kind of their outlier where they really scored and, and ran the ball well in that one and looked like much better, but... Aside from that one, the other four have kind of been the same game. You know, rinse and repeat. Play some good defense. Keep yourself in the game. Do enough with Peyton Ramsey to hopefully win the game, and 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 just hang around and and let the defense kind of lull the other team to sleep and and come away with the victory. So you got to give credit to them and and Pat Fitzgerald. He knows what he wants to do. They do it well, and uh, I know they're limited in some ways, but hey, they're five and zero. Oh, they're they're playing well. They're gonna, um, you know, likely. And despite unless there's an utter collapse in the West with them taking on you know Michigan State and uh, Illinois uh, in two of their last three weeks, they'll be the representative for the Big Ten West, and and they'll probably get the doors blown off by Ohio State. But uh, you got to give some credit to them um, on their side of the football as well. They they did a good job of of playing their game and and doing things uh, the way they want to. But rolling on here offensively, we talked about the play calling a little bit. I would say the play calling was pretty poor. Now, I know there was personnel challenges. You're without your top two receivers. 
your starting tight end is struggling. You've got a red shirt. Uh, you've got tailbacks that, uh, you know, Garrett Groshek and Nakia Watson have not played very well. So I get the personnel was challenging, but the play calling was just, I, I don't even know what to call it. it. It wasn't good. It was stale. It was it was conservative in a way, but at the same time, you know, you have to be a little conservative with what you got. So what did you make of the personnel and, and the play calling? Because that seemed to really hinder the offense despite the guys that were out there that, that already kind of hindered with the injuries. Yeah, I mean, it reminded me a lot of that TCU game in the Rose Bowl where the oh, Badgers yes. were able to run the ball with Jalen Berger. Well, they were able to do it. You remember John Clayton running the ball down their throats, and they couldn't stop it. And instead, the team decided, hey, we're going to throw the ball more than we're going to run it. The Badgers had 41 pass attempts to 40 rushing attempts. That is not Wisconsin football. Now, I know that there is plenty of of running backs that really struggled in this game to really get anything going. Um, Nakia Watson was averaging only three and a half yards a carry, 3.7 yards per carry. Garrett Groshek was completely out of this game. He might not, might as well have not gotten carries or catches. He he hurt the team more than he helped them um, on Saturday, and that's not usually how he is. So I know that he's coming back from short from a. Uh, a short short time here where he wasn't able to play, but he was only averaging a, a yard and a half on carries. But but you look at it, and Jalen Berger was was just getting six yards a crack. What are you doing? I know he's a true freshman. Give him the ball. The kid could have ran it 25 times, and you'd probably win the game um, if they give him 10 more carries. So that was frustrating to watch. Um, you look at it, they, they didn't have anything, nothing in the tank to try to stretch Northwestern's high end to sideline. I'm I know that Kendrick Pryor and uh, Danny Davis are your primary guys for jet sweeps, but to not even have anything in your back pocket to, to use in those situations to try to get them going um, is, 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 is head-scratching in a, in a lot of ways. So I, I just thought that this team could have done more. You look at then some of the situational play calls where you try to take a shot on third and one at Northwestern's 34, and you, that's where you get sacked. Um, you know, and that's partly on Graham Mertz because he can't take a sack there. And I get that. Um, the play was, was somewhat open. It was going to have to take a really nice throw. Um, but, but the tight end had a step on him. But at the same time, Mason Stockey touched the ball twice in the entire game. And Wisconsin just ran the ball down uh, Michigan's throat with the fullback dive. Why isn't Mason Stockey or John Chanel getting any carries there. You could have ran it two fullback dives, and I guarantee you're going to get pick up a yard. You got a first down, and then you can go back to burger ball. I, I just that was that was the thing that I was just like, what are we doing? And then for them to not even attempt to keep going, but instead to punt from your 36, it's it, those are the things that lose you games. And you can see when Wisconsin kind of packs it in, gets too conservative. They go hyper-aggressive, and then it goes to swing completely to the other side and go um, super conservative. doesn't make any sense. So um, those were the things that I just I couldn't shake, you know, last night after the game, and um, which is a big reason why I had a few too many beers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I the play calling itself was was definitely a reason to to tip them back a little bit. I I poured a second old fashioned late in that third quarter with. Uh, with what was going on um, on the play calling side of the ball. And it, it really was kind of a – I think that TCU comparison is is a great way to compare it because John Clay was running the ball well. Jalen Berger averaged 6.2 yards a carry. 
and he only got 15 of it. I also think to back to you know the Melvin Gordon days with Gary Anderson, where he would be running the ball well. Um, you know that LSU opener or any of those early games um, with him, where he was running the ball well, didn't get enough touches. Jalen Berger probably should have had, like you said, another 10 carries in that game, and and really, at, we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit. But he should probably be a guy that gets 20 some carries um, the rest of the way out because he's kind of looked like your best back. Uh, as you go forward here. So, yeah, throwing the ball 41 times. I know at, at some of those pass attempts you're playing catch-up, but for the most part, th- this was a one-possession game where you handed to Jalen Berger or the fullbacks a couple more times. You keep driving the football down. It's not like the running game wasn't working. So, for me, that was the most frustrating part is, like, you know, you're in the third quarter. You, it was a punt fest that third quarter, but – a few more carries for, for the likes of Berger or the fullbacks, the guys that were, were working for you last week and, and working so far that week, I think would have went a long way. So it, it's kind of frustrating from that part that um, it just seemed like the Badgers were, were struggling with an identity. And when you're watching the game on the field, you know, as a fan, or you're, you're thinking, okay, this is clearly the way to move the ball is handing it to Jalen Berger. And it seemed like the coaching staff and, and the play calling, the guys were not seeing the same thing that we were. So, of course, their they're coaches, they know the game of football better than you and I or any other Badger fan. But watching it, it seemed like, what are we doing? Why isn't Jalen Berger just getting the ball and, and falling forward for six, seven yards to carry? I mean, he was running really well. The offensive line was getting a pretty good push. And he was finding the holes. I know um, you know, the likes of Watson and, and Groshek were, were just not finding them when they were there. But... Yeah, that part was, was extremely frustrating, and, and it'll be interesting to see how that adjusts this week. And I, I know, there, like I said, we've said multiple times, the personnel was challenged a little bit, but you had to know coming into that game that Danny Davis and, and Kendrick Pryor might have not been available. So I would have hoped there would have better, you know, been a better plan to kind of execute uh, you know, what they wanted to do, and, and unfortunately it just did not happen. And, and that's the result. You know, It's just an ugly offensive game. Yeah, and, and to be fair, like – that TCU game, for the comparison, it's all about the Badgers just going away from their bread and butter and trying mm-hmm. to get too cute. You know, in that game, the Badgers didn't have any turnovers. That they, they played a clean game for the most part, had some bad penalties. But you look at this game, it's, hey, you're going away from your bread and butter. You're trying to get too cute with going deep on a third and one call when you can clearly just run the damn ball down their throats. And, and then you throw in five turnovers. You can't win on the road with five turnovers and when you're not playing your game. Um, there's there should never be a time in 2020 uh, where Graham Merch should be throwing the ball 41 times. That's that is just killer and it can't happen. Yeah, that's that, that's setting him up for failure. You know whether he's uh, you know any any Wisconsin quarterback that's setting him up for failure. That's just not the game that the Badgers play, and you saw what happens when you try to play it. Uh, on Saturday afternoon. So getting into the running backs a little bit here. Jalen Berger was by far and away the, the best back on Saturday. You know, you look at last week's game, he was the best back in that Michigan game. If you're if, if you're Paul Christ and you're looking at your back, your running back group and, and room, should Jalen Berger be the guy that leads the team in carries by the year's end? Because it seems like that's the way it's trending already. But at some point, you've got to look at the, the guys that you've got and say, you know, he's he might be the freshman, he might be the young kid, but he's looking like the best back so far. I think he'll have the most carries on the team by after this weekend, uh, the way things are trending. You look at um, his carries, he's got 30 on the year. Watson's got 38, who just eight ahead of him. I would anticipate that Jalen Berger is going to pass him immediately uh, in against 
Minnesota. The the stark contrast in, in how much better he is running, the smoothness he runs, the ability he has to actually break tackles, um, it, it's it's night and day. And I think Jalen Berger, he's still got a lot to a lot of development he needs physically. Um, he still is probably um, figuring out large chunks of the playbook, but that doesn't take away the fact that this is your best back and you need to get him in there as much as humanly possible because it's there's no comparison right now. When you see them running, there's a lot more pop in when he's out there, and this offense has, has a lot more to offer um, both in what he can do as a running as a running threat, but also as a pass catcher. Uh, I, I think that is really what we're going to see. And there's a reason he was a high four-star recruit and and the other guys were not. Um, Nikia Watson got a late four-star bump across some services, but he does he does not have the explosiveness or the, the twitch that Berger does. And Berger did a really nice job, I think, of, of putting his shoulder down and moving the pile too, and even though he's, he's you know, a good uh, 20 pounds less than, than Watson when you're looking at him. I, I think Berger is your best back, and they've got to give him more carries going forward. Yeah, they, they really do. I mean, he – and he looks like your your best back. It's not like he's just kind of, you know, by default. He, I think, you know, the eye test by far and away, he looks better than, than the upperclassmen guys. You know, Garrett Groshek does things well. He's he's a nice – you know, like we've, we've called him the Swiss Army knife before – He's good in pass blocking. He's good out of the backfield, you know, with some screens, stuff like that. But I, I just don't see any reason right now to be, you know, turning and handing the ball off to him, you know, that much. You're going to need someone to spell a guy like Jalen Berger. But aside from that, you know, the the, the likes of Groshek and Watson, I just don't see right now why they need to to get too many uh, more carries than you know, giving a guy a spell. And, and we talked about that last year with Nikia Watson. It's not like this struggle is a surprise and that they're trying to get him going. They went away from him last year. I know Jonathan Taylor was your guy, and you want to get him as many touches as possible, but there were times where a second back last year would have been nice, and, and they didn't go to Nakia Watson because they just didn't feel great about it in, in the coaching staff. He wasn't finding the holes. His yards per carries were very very low and down compared to, uh, of course, Taylor and some of the other backs, though. So, this is something that's been happening for a couple of years. I think for the Badgers right now, it's time to to look at what you've got on the field and say, okay, Berger's your best back. Got to lean on him. Some of these other guys are going to get some carries, but Jalen Berger's got to be your bell call right now. And I know they didn't expect that coming into the season. I know uh, early in the season, you know, the Illinois game, he was still catching up, but he's had. I know they didn't get to practice too much um, in those two weeks, but now we're we're into the you know more than the halfway point of the season Jalen Berger is going to have some growing stuff to do but at the same time he's your best back you've only got a couple games left here it's time to probably lean on him he needs to be the guy that's getting most of the carries I would say 20 you know if he would have gotten at least 20 to 25 yesterday I think everyone would have been much more happy and he probably needs to get that week in and week out because he's by far and away right now your best back and it's gonna be interesting to see and in Minnesota, who leads the team in carries and who comes out as that starter? Because I think right now Jalen Berger has to be the guy. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's going to take a little bit for him to 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 recover from the beating that it's going to take because he is still fairly slight at six one two ten. But at the same time, if he's your best guy, you got to give him it. That's that's your that's your game is running the football behind that really talented offensive line. You can't veer from that. You just can't. And if this is your best back, you give him the ball and you trust that, hey, 
he's going to be able to do it because I think he's talented enough and there's not a competitor out there or running back out there that's not going to be like, yep, I want the ball. I want more carries. So he's your best guy. Give him the ball. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it, and uh, hopefully the, the coaching staff kind of sees that as we head into uh, The Northwestern defense is, is stout. The Minnesota defense is not. So maybe you can uh, get some things to open up with the likes of Jalen Berger, and maybe you get some of the other guys going this week as well. I know last week uh, they ran the ball pretty well against Michigan, so maybe it's it's part of that as well. Other side of the football defensively, no matter who was out there, I know injuries were a big concern coming into the game. Matt Henningsen more so than, uh, you know, Isaiah Green May is a good outside linebacker for you, but Nick Herbig has kind of stepped into that role and done pretty well. You lose Rashad Wild Goose um, in the game. Not really sure what the, the latest update was with him, but he was in street clothes after um, he came out in, in a sling. So you've got to you know, wonder what his availability is going to be like this week. But you know, despite who was out there, I mean, there were guys that were making plays. There's been some really strong um, defensive players, but they, those guys look good again. You know, that, that third quarter, they were on the field a lot, and they came out and three and out, three and out, three and out. So the Wisconsin defense was legit. I think we've already known that. But what did you take away from, from their performance, um, you know, yesterday? They did enough to win you a game, and, mm-hmm. and the offense didn't. So um, I thought they, they were really good. You look at it, the first three drives for Northwestern uh, were, were in plus territory, and the Badgers the Badgers held really well. There was some questionable calls with some reviews. We Most notably, some of these pass interference calls that you've seen guys like Fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams take to Twitter in being upset with it, um, one of which was an interception that Caesar Williams could – clearly had, um, turned his head and everything. But I thought the group played extremely well and, and further demonstrated why they're one of the top units in the conference. Um, you know, they were put in some tough situations, but they were able to kind of minimize the damage most of the time. I thought that, that goal line stand that Keanu Benton kind of rolled into as he was being held and Spencer Lytle jumping on the fumble, that, that really shifted things. But then as the defense continued to hold up their end of the bargain, the offense actually got worse um, and, and kind of locked down further. So I think that was the big thing is you look at it, the Badgers leaned on their their game plan, which was clearly to, to be um, stout on defense, punt the ball when you needed to and take advantage of that. The defense held up. They did everything they were supposed to do. They only allowed Northwestern to 24 rushing yards and their fewest yards in the entire season. But that wasn't enough. You looked at it. There was always every single scoring drive that Northwestern had. There was either a questionable um, catch on the sideline there was or a pass interference call on every single one of them, some of which were there were multiple. In that first drive, they scored the touchdown. There was two pass interference calls. So it's, you look at it, and that's really got to be frustrating for this defense because 17 points, if you only give up that in modern college football, you should win the game. Oh, yeah, by far and away. That, that defensive performance, they, those guys deserve to win the game. And I know it's a, it's a team game and, and everything like that, but the defensive guys have got to be sitting there going, I don't really know what else we can do other than score points. I mean, last year – the, the Wisconsin defense scored points against Northwestern that, that kind of came through big in, in the overall grand scheme of the game. And, uh, you know, credit to Northwestern. They protected uh, Peyton Ramsey pretty well, so you didn't, you know, I, I was kind of just hoping for, you know, an interception or a strip sack or, a, you know, hit hit and fumble, um, something like that to, you know, give the Badgers the ball in plus territory or a scoop and score or something like that because, 
that seemed like what was going to be needed to maybe win that game. And so uh, the defense, you can't expect that anytime you go out. But those guys did enough to to really win it. So it's disappointing for for them because they've been great the first three weeks. 17 points, really, you know, you can't even – the amount that they put up, really, 17 is kind of, you know, being generous to Northwestern. And I know that's the score, but uh, really this Wisconsin defense was stout throughout, and, and they needed some calls and some breaks for Northwestern to, to put those points up. So it's tough, and I know Jim Leonard will say, you know, we just got to go out and do our job. That's what they've done. But uh, it, it's got to be a hard pill to swallow because they, they should have won the football game based on that defensive performance. And if they do, like, you know, perform like that every week, um, it, it reminds me of some Badger teams of old where the defense is great and the offense just isn't scoring points, and you can you can drop a game. That's got to be a frustrating, sour taste in your mouth for sure. Yeah, without without a doubt. And and I think the most concerning thing is we're still not seeing the sacks from them. Um, I, I know that they played really, really well, but that's one area that that they just haven't been able to to figure out is quarterback pressure. They got a lot of hurries. You know, you, Nick Herbig had two. Uh, Colin Wilder had one on a blitz. Leo Chanel had five of them. And, and then you look at Loudermilk and Gats, they were after it as well. They had a couple of hurries. But they're just not finishing and getting some of those sacks. There was a couple of them that they, they let the quarterback just get out of their hands. Um, Leo Chanel, I, I think, is just you compare him to Chris Orr, and the one thing is he's just a step slower. Um, and that's he can't quite get all the way to the quarterback, whereas you saw Chris Orr would finish that. Um, and, and Leo's still young. He, he's, a, he's a true sophomore, so he's, he's still a young guy and is a very different linebacker than Chris Orr. But, but you can see that this, they, that's one thing they're missing. But overall, this defense looked really, really good. They had that interception taken off the board, unfortunately. Um, but but I, overall – like we've both said, this they did enough to win the game, and it's it's just a it's a bummer that the offense couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. Yeah, it is, and I think that's the you know when we're we're gonna we're gonna transition here a little bit to positive takeaways. I think the defensive side of the ball is of course the the big positive once again that those guys played really well. Um, aside from that, I don't really know if there's a lot you can take other than you know Jalen Berger the defense. Um, were really solid. Chimre DK looked good, but I don't think he's ready to be your number one guy. I think um, he, he's a great option and athletic player at that side of the football and at the receiver position, but you need the likes of, of Davis and Pryor and Ferguson to maybe help open some stuff up for him as well. So what other te- takeaways? And then what's kind of the outlook for you the rest of the season? Because I think the Badgers are an interesting spot. You've lost the game now. You're, you're likely not winning the Big Ten West. You've also lost two games of cancellation. So you've got three, four left here. What is your outlook, and, and what do you try to take from the rest of this season? I think now the biggest takeaway is any chance of the Badgers, hey, we're going to bring back Jack Cohen, I, I don't see that happening as your as your starter. I think you run with Mertz. I think you run with Berger. You run with Chimre Dike as your, your third wideout, and you focus on the future because – these guys are going to be freshmen next year. You might as well try to get the most out of them, the most development that you can out of that trio and really build for next year because, sure, they've got a lot to play for. you still got to win the axe. you still got a trophy game against Iowa. you still got a top a top 20 team in Indiana that you're going to have to take on. So there's, there's a lot that the Badgers still have uh, left on the bone, but it's a matter of also – Balancing that with, hey, we also have a future that that next year we can really focus on trying to do really well. 
the Badgers can still end up um, in a really positive bowl game if they take care of business the rest of the way. But in on the positive light, additionally, I would say one guy that stood out to me was Andy Vujinovic. I thought he mm-hmm. punted phenomenally. Um, he was asked to punt a lot, um, seven of them, for almost 300 yards. He had he averaged almost 42 yards of punt, had that 57-yarder, had three in the t- in the tw- inside the 20, um, one that was pinned them at the two-yard line. Um, when, when you have when you're averaging almost 42 and you had to punt from your own 36, you're doing damn well good. So I think he's the guy who's really helped this team out immensely. Um, I just wrote about uh, the three things that, that stood out, and, and he was one of the extra points because you look at his average right now as a Badger, which is 42.9, really small sample size at, at, with only 40, 14 punts, but the last Badger to, to have a higher one is Kevin Stemke, who's like the goat among amongst Wisconsin punters. So you, the Badgers actually have a punter who can, one, catch the ball, and two, punt it. And that <laughs> is a phenomenal thing for this team, um, especially if the offense is going to continue to struggle like they like they did against Northwestern. Yeah, that's important. I mean, the, the field position game is big in the Big Ten. I know some conferences you don't see as many punts, but the Big Ten, is, it's still a very big part of the game. And last year you saw what happens when you don't do it well. So to have that uh, for the Badgers, is it's big going forward because he's going to be a guy that's going to be around. So it'll be uh, important to watch for. And unfortunately for Wisconsin in that performance, when, when your punter is you know really one of the three positives of the game, it probably didn't go well, and it didn't. So, um, yeah, I think like you, like you said, in terms of the outlook, uh, I would have to agree with you. My um, family was texting yesterday during the game. They said, you know, if Jack Cohn was available – in that game, would you go to him? And and I said I said probably not because I think I and of course if you win that game maybe things are different and if Jack Cohn can come in and, and win you a game, great. But I think right now you you do kind of have to look to the future, get some of these young guys reps. As, as I know, Graham Mertz struggled, but he'll learn from this game. He, he's a redshirt freshman. He he's gonna have some of these games that aren't super great. He's gonna you know you, he take from the positive. You got to take from the negative as well. So for him to to get these performances out early in his career is, is going to be important as he as he grows and develops as a quarterback. Jalen Berger, same thing. He's going to be a guy that, A, if you want to win football games, I think he's got to be a guy that gets a lot of carries. But, B, he's going to be your, your back of the future, so it's going to be important for him to get a lot of touches. Same thing with Chimray DK. Maybe on the defensive side of the ball, you continue to work some more guys in and, and try to develop for next year because – there's going to be some guys that, that are departing from this defense. You know, you look at a guy like Eric Burrell. There's some other guys' defensive line. So to work some other guys in for, for 2021 will be important and it'll be interesting to see. But uh, I think at the end of the day, just go out there and, and play the games. Hopefully you win the axe. You, you give Indiana a game. you got a trophy game, like you said, against Iowa. Still three games that will be really important. That Big Ten Championship weekend will be fun, and, and we'll see what the development is for this team. But – I think you look to the future and you just try to, to, to develop these younger guys the best way they can. So it'll be uh, an interesting outlook for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, you can still, if you go ahead and win out in your games and then go into, um, you would come out of the West second place, you're going to play the second best team in the East, who, which could potentially be um, Indiana once again. I think that would be a great way to to end your season and then get into a pretty solid bowl. One loss to a team like Northwestern, who's probably going to go undefeated at this juncture Mm -hmm. um, until they play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, that's that's 
that's okay. Like I'm not saying that that's what everybody's hoping for, but at the same time, if if that's what it is that you wait an absolute clunker against Northwestern at Ryan Field, where a lot of teams struggle, it is what it is in an abbreviated season. Whereas if it could be a hell of a lot worse when you look at what's going on across the conference for other teams. You look at Minnesota, who's really struggling this year. You look at a team like uh, Michigan, who's really struggling this year. Penn State, where the wheels have completely fallen off. So you've seen teams across the country really struggle. The Badgers have a lot of positives still ahead of them, and it's about making sure they don't pack it in instead, try to keep moving forward and um, get that axe game back because I think that that could help move the flywheel forward. Yeah, things could be a lot worse when you look at teams across the conference. I mean, Michigan pulled out that win against Rutgers in in double overtime, triple overtime um, last night. So – Penn State came in the season ranked in the in the top ten. They haven't won a game yet. There's there's teams all over the conference that expectations were high and, and have fallen. So at the end of the day, it was it was great for Wisconsin to be back on the field, the Big Ten to be back on the field. Ohio State's probably gonna go undefeated, win this conference and be in the college football playoff and everybody else is gonna have a season that is kind of a typical season. So maybe you can and take some things from this year and, and move on to 2021, and that, that's that's okay. It's been an odd season for a lot of teams. You know, you look at across college football, there's been cancellations for outside of the top seven teams right now. It's it's kind of the same thing where you're playing to develop and, and play your games for next year. So um, we'll see what happens, but at the end of the day, I think it's still nice to have uh, football back, and it'll be a big one. This week with the Axe, big one the following week with Indiana, and then you've got Iowa. So still plenty of fun uh, Badger football to hop into. All right, that kind of wraps up our football talk. We're going to get into some brief basketball talk here as the season tips off Wednesday night. But before we do that, we'll get our couple quick ad reads out of the way. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so Wisconsin basketball tipping off Wednesday evening against Eastern Illinois. Should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the basketball squad, see what uh, they've got in the tank for this 2020 season. Of course, last year with March Madness, uh, they ended with some unfinished business in their eyes, so it should be fun to get the season started with them. Of course, Eastern Illinois, I'll be honest, is an opponent I know nothing about. It should be a game that the Badgers win handily, but what will you be looking for in that opener on Wednesday night to kind of take away, you know, for the rest of the season? Well, first off, last year when these two teams played, Eastern Illinois really gave the Badgers a fight. I, I thought that in, I was at that game was able to kind of see, and Eastern Illinois was not letting down against the Badgers. They, they had a really good um, plan of attack for Wisconsin. This was early in the year. It was their third game, or their second game, I should say. Um, so they were still kind of trying to figure everything out. Um, but, but man, I, I think the Badgers should be in a much better spot going into this game this year. Um, I think that that was kind of embarrassing for them. I know they only won by 13. Um, but for me, what I'm going to be watching specifically is the rotation. 
Um, you, you've got a lot of key pieces back with Dimitri Trice at your po- at point. You've got Aleem at your at the three. Um, you've got possibly Micah Potter and and Reavers as you know your four five, and as well as um, Davison as your shooting guard. But but maybe they throw in a guy like Tyler Wall in there. Maybe they um, still keep Potter and Reavers. Um, you know running between the two and not putting them on the court at the same time. I, I think seeing how those minutes are distributed where you had a guy like Brevin Pritzel last year is also going to be fun to watch where you've got a guy like Johnny Davis who, who's who got a lot of talent, really the staff's really high on him. You've got a guy like Tyler Wall who's had a tremendous offseason and, and grew, up, grew a couple inches, added a few pounds, um, and supposedly has an improved shot. Um, or is it Trevor? who sees a little bit more time as a redshirt senior. So I think that's going to be the fun thing to watch in these early games. You you look at their schedule, they've got plenty of games to kind of get ready. When you look at Eastern Illinois, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Green Bay, those are the games you got to get got to get into, see what you can do with your rotation, mess around with different combinations. I know Greg Gard probably won't shift or um, change too much on his starting lineup, but kind of see how the ebb and flow happens and how some of those young guys look because – one would have to assume that Ben Carlson, Stephen Crowell, they're both guys that the staff has said is going to probably play this year, um, as well as um, as well as Johnny Davis. So I'm excited to see how those three look as well. So a lot of wa- a lot to watch in this first game. It's just the first game, so you can't look too far into it. But at the same time, there's going to be some nice hidden gems there to to kind of tell what this team might look like come uh, later on in the year. Yeah, I think you know early in the season, um, you know, with the with the rotation is is going to be something to watch for. I think that's kind of the main takeaway in these first three games, like you mentioned, how deep the bench goes, how many you know guys get worked in there in non garbage time. There might be a couple of these games where it's a blowout and, and some guys get worked in, but for the most part, it's going to be kind of telling to see where the rotation is at this point in time. Of course, you've got a really strong starting five, but the bench is, is still a little bit of a question mark. You know, last year the uh, Greg Gard didn't go super deep, and he didn't have a lot of guys to kind of rely on um, to, to eat up a lot of minutes. He's going to need to find some of those guys in the rotation this year. So I think that's really, of course, you don't want to get into a game where you're, you're it's a tight contest with a team like Eastern Illinois. It did happen last year, but and it could certainly happen again. But I think this team is has elevated their game, uh, you know, a lot higher than where they were at that point last year. So hopefully, it's a game that they can come in get some run, take care of business, and then and then kind of work some things out. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, try to find out, uh, you know, where's the, where your shots are going to come from, where your minutes are going to come from. And then, you know, as you get going into the season um, with that schedule, these are the three contests where you can really do it. You know, like you mentioned, Arkansas Pine Bluff is going to be a team that you're hopefully getting minutes in. Green Bay is going to be a team where you're trying to figure things out. And then you hop into a really tough stretch of at Marquette, which is always a tough game no matter what. Big Ten ACC Challenge in Louisville, and then Northern Iowa, who's coming to the Kohl Center, a team that is is always good. Um, you know, have high high expectations coming into this year, and it's a team that is going to be up for taking on a, a team that is a bigger conference in the Big Ten. So that'll be an interesting one. Then after that, it's Big Ten play, which is going to be your most important. You open that with Nebraska, and then a Christmas trip to uh, Michigan State. So. Out of the gate after those three games, it's going to be important to kind of have a rotation established, know who you're going to go to because 
if you're not ready to go in those three non-conference games after that and into Big Ten schedule, you can see where things could get off the rails if you're not ready to play basketball um, early on in the season. Yeah, and I mean, it sets up a really fun Christmas game there against Michigan State where if they are able to beat Marquette that Friday, Mar- December 4th Marquette game, the following Wednesday Louisville game, if you're able to take get through those two games, you could be looking at a 7-0 and team heading to East Lansing, which I think would be a lot of fun. But you look at their schedule and, man, is February and March going to be fun. You, you, you look at... The, the Badgers are projected to be one of the top three teams in the Big Ten with Illinois and Iowa rounding out the, the other two spots. I, I think you look at those last eight games, they've got Illinois twice. They've got Iowa twice. And then they got Michigan. So four of your last eight games are against the other two projected top teams in the conference, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a grind for this team, um, that, that final stretch, because, I mean, that's not easy. Um, luckily, they've got uh, Northwestern and Nebraska built in there, which should help them quite a bit. But you also have per, a game at Purdue and a game versus Michigan in that in that window as well. So I think their schedule sets up really nicely for a lot of really fun games. But I think if they can start off well, um, kind of get through the middle grind of the Big Ten when they in January when you've got the games at Michigan, at Rutgers, and home against Ohio State, and then try to finish strong with those those tough games and went and split it between Iowa and Illinois. I think they're in a really good space to to be a high seed if they're able to do that. Yeah, I think when you look at what we were going to touch on, you know, kind of schedule takeaways. That's that that home stretch is kind of the big one. You think what Wisconsin did down the latter half of the season last year, um, you know, with that nice winning streak and and getting ready for the Big Ten tournament, and of course everything happened um, with COVID. But it's going to kind of be a similar um, season where, or I guess a little bit different season where you're probably going to have to start out stronger than they did last year, and then just grind through the middle and and the back half. It's going to be. You know, last year where the standings were switching all the time, teams were knocking off each other. It's going to be that same thing, that that last eight-game stretch with Illinois and Iowa and, and the teams that you expect to be at the top of the conference in Wisconsin and, and Michigan, teams like that, are going to be knocking each other off left and right. It's going to be, a, you know, college basketball season is a grind in general. I know it's a little bit shorter this year with not as many non-conference games, but so maybe you're a little bit fresher. But at the end of the day, this Big Ten Conference is going to be dog-eat-dog, and that last you know couple weeks is going to be really fun to watch because there's a lot of good teams in this conference. There's going to be a lot of good contests, similar to what we saw last year, where it's just going to be night in and night out. The Big Ten you know, Conference is going to be kind of must-watch TV where every game, no matter who's playing, you know, the top seven, eight teams in the conference, it's going to be a tight, you know, grinded-out type game. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch in that regard. So I'm excited for a college basketball season. I know – it's kind of been a weird year. You know, you're just getting the schedule now. You, you, football season seems like it's just getting off the ground, but I'm really excited for hoops in general, not just Wisconsin. I think there's going to be a lot of fun storylines to watch for in this 2020 season. No doubt. I, I'm, I'm ex- extremely excited for the Badgers uh, to, to tip off on Wednesday and, and see what they've got because this team is bringing back so much talent. And um, with the way they finished, like you mentioned, it – it definitely sends some some positive momentum going into this year, and now it's about can they withstand um, and keep that momentum going um, after this really strange offseason. 
All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our episode of the podcast. Like I said, uh, we'll be back later this upcoming week. We're recording this on Sunday. Um, we I haven't really decided what day I'm going to put it out. We might just get it out so you guys can listen to it um, this Sunday afternoon and, and Monday morning. But we'll be back with you for, of course, our typical Axe Week preview, uh, breaking down the Gophers later in the week. Um, and then we'll, we'll recap the Wisconsin basketball opener against Eastern Illinois. That'll be on uh, Wednesday evening as well. So it'll be a fun week for Wisconsin athletics. Big, important week as the basketball season gets started and it's Axe Week. So it'll be a lot to talk about as we get uh, down the latter days here closer to Thanksgiving. So, as always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin.